0: Where are you gonna go for the best in college radio? The University of Central Missouri, of course. Tune in to the UCM radio station, The Beat.
1: Welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Olivia Gibbs, and this week we're on the air with UCM alum and current lease contracting officer for the General Services Administration, Kelly Nolan. Thank you for joining me. I want to start by talking about your time at UCM. First, starting with what brought you to UCM? Uh, well, it's kind of an unromantic
0: story, I guess. My, I have a brother, and he's a year ahead of me in school. And I got a, school, a football scholarship to go to UCM. And I, I went to a lot of places, but my parents kind of said, mm, You're going to go where your brother is so that he can keep an eye on you. So I, didn't, <laughs> I had a choice, but uh, my parents were like, why wouldn't you just go there? Like you have support there, you have your family there. So um, yeah, that's it.
1: Okay. And what were you majoring in during undergrad? So my undergrad
0: is a Bachelor of Science in history. Um, and I came in doing... And I don't remember the name of the actual degree, but I wanted to teach history uh, in high school. So I don't exactly remember what degree that was, but then I did, you know, that program for a year and uh, did some like shadowing at a high school and decided I didn't
1: think I was cut out to handle high school students.
0: So I switched to history so I could teach at a collegiate level.
1: Okay. And was your master's also in history?
0: Yes. So that's a master of arts in history. Um, and I, I don't know if the program, if the history department still does like three tracks, but I did the enriched in- track. Um, I know there's one for public history and I forget the other one, but so I did that and um, I just <laughs> went straight in. As soon as I graduated undergrad, I went straight into grad school. Could you say what track you took again? And you cut out. Oh, I think it's called the El enrichment track, okay. but I'm not positive if that that's it.
1: Okay, I know I'm not personally going for a master's, but I know most master's degrees um, have like an emphasis or something like that, or a specific track. Say that again. Um, I'm not going for a master's, but I know most masters have either like an emphasis or a track or something like that. Um, so. After you decided you didn't really want to teach, so you said you wanted to do more of like the collegiate level yeah, yes, okay. so then was that like specifically your career goal or like did you want to teach and do something else or just just no, be a professor? I,
0: I wanted to be a professor yeah, I wanted to I mean teach it like UCM one day you know right uh yeah, I wanted to go into to college
1: okay. So then what kinds of organizations were you involved with on campus? So I was a member of Alpha Sigma Alpha all
0: years. And then, oh, I did the football angels. Don't know if they have those anymore, but it was kind of like booster. I I don't know, like a booster for uh, football. And that was it. I feel like i put a lot of time into sorority so that was a lot a big time commitment. Um, and then I would also like I volunteered at the Johnson County Museum that's there in Warrensburg, you know here and also volunteered at like the Nelson Act here and there, history just because it's it's not exactly like a high paying career anyway, but then a lot of the internships that they offer um, are unpaid completely. So a lot of volunteer ex- experience is also needed. So a lot of, gave a lot of my time for free. <laughs> to As you do in undergrad and such, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you said a lot of your time was taken up by the sorority. Did you have any positions or anything like that?
0: Yeah. So I was a sisterhood chair. I was a philanthropy chair one year. And then what else? A historian editor one year that would be it. But then just, I don't know, doing everything. It's such a time suck when you start getting really involved, you know, you volunteer to do something and say, well, I'll handle this. I'll handle that. So, but yeah, so I had those chairs each year and then just a whole bunch of other stuff. I lived in the sorority house one year and i feel like you're just in your own world when you do that but absolutely yeah,
1: yeah i am also in a sorority i don't know if you can see it but i have been sisterhood chair for my sorority and historian so we have yeah. that in common mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i totally understand the the time suck we always tell girls during recruitment that the sorority is what you make of it um for sure so super yeah. involved members are always like go 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 in the chapter
0: yeah, and it and that's you just enjoy it so much more when you give more to it because it's your baby, then. So, yeah, right. I agree.
1: right. So, then you were also the philanthropy chair. <laughs> what did you plan events for that?
0: Yeah, so our philanthropy is Special Olympics. So, we used to again, I don't know with COVID or um, how things have changed, we used to hold a Special Olympics basketball tournament in Sedalia. Uh, each year and it was really very large um, coordinating like the athletes and sponsors and things like that so that was the main event that we would do each year and then uh, Greek week and homecoming they always have a lot of philanthropy tied to them or if we would pair up with different fraternities for their fundraisers and their philanthropy so that one was a lot of work (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs)
1: It still is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then you mentioned that your husband is a Delta Chi. Did you guys meet at UCM? Well, I think
0: now we kind of have realized that we were probably in this same time a lot, but we didn't uh, hang out or really meet. I don't know if you can use that uh, until after college. Um, Quite a ways. We were probably three years out of college by the time that we met. Uh, but we still had so many mutual friends because I feel like the Greek community at Central is is smaller. Yes. So you all, I mean, you're all friends with with everybody anyway. So yeah, we we even met through mutual friends that were Greek at Central. So
1: Yeah, I completely agree. The the Greek life at UCM is very unique in that it's so small that everybody gets to know each other and it's less of like a like a Mizzou where everybody mm-hmm. is just constantly competing.
0: Yeah. I'm, we're about to go on a girl's trip that we try to go on every year, every other year. And I mean, there's, I think four sororities, four different sororities that are going to be on that trip, just eight, eight of us girls. And we're all from UCM and uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter which sorority we're, we were in, but we all just kind of bond on having been Greek at central. Cause it's own, it's its own special experience.
1: Very very much so yeah. <laughs> I would have to agree with that so shifting back to undergrad, what were your plans immediately after you graduated so after I graduated um, graduate school or undergrad um
0: let's start with undergrad so undergrad I knew I went I knew I had to go to grad school um, you have to have absolutely a master's and usually a doctorate to teach at the collegiate level so I knew I had to go to masters um, I applied for centrals. I don't know if I really had plans to do centrals, but then I felt like I was also working so much that I, I kind of just, I was accepted into central and I didn't want to lose my jobs. I was like bartending and waitressing in like three different places in Warrensburg. So it was like, well, I don't want to, you know, lose these opportunities because this is 2010. So it's only two years after, you know, the recession. So it's like jobs were not super, super easy to come by even, uh, you know, just waitressing and bartending jobs. So I didn't really want to lose those. And uh, just, it was such an easy transition. You still have, you still know the program so well when you go from undergrad to grad at the same institution and our history department at Central is like incredible. So uh, yeah, it was was a pretty easy decision considering all those to just go straight through at Central.
1: Right. So then what were your plans after graduating with your master's?
0: So after graduating with my master's, the plan, like the plan I like made up in my head (laughs) was going to be, you know, I work with an institution or even with a school while I was able to pay off my debt, you know, kind of get a feel for working in the real world or working with an institution or a school that I liked and then eventually go back and do a doctorate program, um, in order to teach. So what actually happened, I I did, I, uh, worked with an internship placement company. It's called ELI abroad, and they helped place me into an internship that was in Ireland. And I worked for the national library of Ireland working on their, um, John F. Kennedy exhibit they had over a summer. And that was like, Incredible, just like life changing. Um, but then when I came back, I started working for um, a consulting company in Kansas City. And while I was doing that, that's contract. So it's like kind of as she gets work, you get work. And um, so that wasn't paying the bills. So <laughs> I uh, also became an adjunct professor for DeVry. So that was in person, um, three hour lecture, you know, classes each week. And but that was also kind of the same thing. It was contract. So you didn't if you only you could get one class, you know, per semester, you could get two or three. So it was kind of a lot of up in the air. I was working in the industry I needed to be working in. But um, I also had to have like a third job. (laughs) So it was uh, not how I thought it was going to be when I graduated with my grand plan that I had made up in my head.
1: So you mentioned you went abroad for an internship. Mm -hmm. What made you want to go to Ireland? Um,
0: Well, I thought going abroad would definitely be cool. I mean, but I also wanted to go to a place that spoke English primarily because I am not bilingual. So um, that narrows it down uh, greatly. But they actually uh, were searching specifically for an American to be on this project with their JFK exhibit. So it just matched up perfectly, really. I don't think the National Library really takes too internships, um, but I think it was just kind of the perfect, I, I needed exactly what they were giving and they needed me, so it was kind of perfect.
1: What was the interviewing process like for that? Uh, I had to do
0: three interviews. Uh, The first one, first one was with Eli Broad because they kind of screen you. And then the second one was with, I don't know what he would have been considered kind of the, the vice president of the library, just kind of a really high level general person. And then the third was with the woman who ended up being my boss while I was over there.
1: Okay. And that was before like COVID and stuff, obviously. So how this
0: is, this is 2013.
1: Okay. So were those like all phone calls? Like, had you seen their
0: faces? Mm -hmm. Nope. Never seen their faces. Uh, I knew their name, but again, it's 2013. So I don't know if LinkedIn was really that big of a deal. Um, you know, so I couldn't really look them up. Uh, yeah, just, I, I, you know, we spoke through email to set everything up and then, yeah, just phone calls. Wow. And (laughs) then just went to Ireland. (laughs) And then just packed up and went to Ireland. (laughs) Yeah. The good thing about using a kind of a service like that, they helped me with uh, housing. So, because I think that if you didn't, that would have been very difficult. So they set up, um, Dublin City College is right kind of in the area of Dublin and their dorms, they rent out their dorms and their dorms are different than American dorms. Um, They're almost an apartment with like a small dorm that has a locked door, you know, for each person. So you're sharing a common space, but your room, your dorm is your own space. Um, But so because they, you know, all have locked doors and they're their own kind of entity, they could just, rent those out. So one of my roommates was a kid from Switzerland who went to DCU and he was just there over the summer. Um, so he kept his regular space and then I rented out one and a girl from Spain rented out the third.
1: That is very cool.
0: Yeah, it was, it's a cool setup. I mean, I, I don't think like American universities really do that because we're just set up differently, but, um, Yeah, I would have never been able to find that on my own if I didn't go through that company, so.
1: Yeah, that is very cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll be discussing Kelly's career since graduation. So I'm
0: a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long, tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this, she even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.
1: We've all felt left out, and for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at BelongingBeginsWithUs.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. If you are just tuning in, we are on the air with UCM alum and current lease contracting officer for the General Services Administration, Kelly Nolan. Okay, so we talked about after you got your master's, um, you went abroad, and then you were working as an adjunct professor at DeVry. Mm -hmm. What what was that like? Were you enjoying that since that was like what you wanted to do? Yeah,
0: yeah, I really enjoyed that. And it... It was interesting DeVry is obviously like a technical college and so the people taking my classes, they were just general survey classes. Um, one was history and humanities, which is kind of like an art history survey class. and then also contemporary history, which is just you know 19, oh gosh, no, 1890 through current day, you know so they're all general knowledge history, but the students, are definitely not there to learn history. So they weren't exact, <laughs> they didn't love history class, especially three hour lectures, uh, history class. Um, but it was also really interesting getting to talk about history with students whose mind, you know, works in like drafting or technical fields or the medical field, you know, stuff that doesn't have to do with history. It was a different perspective uh, from them. So that was interesting, but yeah, it was, it was
1: uh, mostly what I thought it would be. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so you were also working with the museum at the time, correct? Uh, museum consulting firm. So what she did, it's her last name is
0: Svadnalok, is okay. her last name. Not, it's, <laughs> it's a real, <laughs> it's not just a bunch of letters put together, but she has her own um, museum consulting company. And so, One of the main projects we worked on was uh, Lee Jeans, like the jean company, their headquarters was, is in Kansas City. And they have a archive of, you know, their company's history that includes like an immense amount of uh, pieces to it. And they had some mold get into like their space. And so we had to remove the mold and we had to recatalog everything and we had to uh then they contracted us to actually build out their archive space so it was kind of a bunch of different assignments but in the same place and they just contracted us out for all of it
1: okay so then what was a typical workday like for you at that time like between those two jobs
0: Uh, well, I also worked at a retail store. Don't forget.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: (laughs) So the classes were set in classes. So depending on the semester, how many classes I had, I would either, you know, I would teach like Tuesdays and Thursdays or maybe just Tuesdays. Um, so those were always set. And then the work with Jean was kind of, I could let her know when I had the time And she would almost say, you know, I kind of need like 20 hours of you this week or 15 hours out of you this week. And I would kind of look at my schedule with uh, the buckle was the retail place that I worked at. So I would look at uh, my schedule with the buckle and, um, you know, what I needed to do for the classes and kind of give her my availability. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of time management.
1: (laughs) Okay. So. What inspired your career shift from that since you were a professor and that was kind of what you wanted to do? Mm -hmm. So I
0: was tired of having three jobs and I also had to get off my parents' medical insurance. That was also a big shift. Um, So when I did that, I was able to work, you know, more hours at the retail store because they offered health benefits. So I, you know, would go up and work as many as I needed to get my benefits and then kind of, you know, work with Gene, got less and less. And then for there was one semester where Devry said, we don't need you this semester. And then, um, you know, that we just don't have the enrollment that we'll need you to be doing this semester. They said, and we're really not Semester. So, okay. So that's when, you know, I kind of worked through those two semesters just working at the retail store and then, like, if Jean would need me. Um, and then finally, I, the real shift came from work. I worked at the Buckle, you know, all through even college and then obviously more after. But there was one woman who worked at the location. Her name is Mel. And she's like, a staple at that store. I think she, she, she worked there since it opened, you know, and she's amazing. And her husband worked for GSA and just from working with Mel for, I mean, seven years, probably altogether, you know, I got to know her husband, her husband would come in and um, he was a great person. And he would always say like, you need to just like come work at GSA, you know, and I never really thought about it because I was like, no, I got these history degrees and I'm going to use them. Like I'm not giving up, you know what I mean? And you know, through that whole year that I was, wasn't really working in history, I was still applying for history jobs and they were not, you know, they were paying, you know, a lot of times less than what I was making at the retail store. So it didn't even make sense to leave to, to kind of do those jobs either. Uh, so finally I was like, okay, like I'll apply, you know, at GSA. And so I got it and, uh, I started working there not with really that, many expectations. Cause I was like, you know, this is completely different than what I went to school for. I don't really know. He, he likes it. So I'll probably
1: like it. Um, and I ended up loving it. So what exactly are you doing as a lease contracting officer? So GSA, I feel like the, the easiest,
0: it's a government agency, you know, like the right. FBI is a government agency. Um, but what we do is we secure all of the leased space or the federal space or the land needed for other government agencies to do their job. So, you know, the FBI might come and say to us, we need an office space in um, Seattle, you know, and GSA handles all of that. And, you know, we handle the lease and all of that and the payment, and then FBI just pays us to do that. Um, we also handle like emergency leases, like, uh, FEMA, you know, when FEMA comes into a space that has had an emergency, they can't just come in and, you know, serve the people. They have to technically rent the land that they put their trailers on or rent the, you know, space that they have, uh, medical centers at. And so we have to do that emergency leasing, um, for them as well. So, okay.
1: Yeah. So what is a typical workday like for you? Uh,
0: So we work in regions. So the region we're in is region six. It handles Kansas, Iowa, and Missouri. And we just, oh gosh, we just work a lease. Like we have (laughs) to, (laughs) you're like, okay, I don't know what that means. Um, (laughs) It's a very (laughs) long, like a lease to get a lease from, you know, the time that FBI says I need an office in Seattle to when the lease is signed and the FBI moves into that office space is like, it can be like three or four years. Oh, So it's a very long process with, you know, a million steps in between. And so, but the lease contracting officer does the lease portion of it. So there's a section that, you know, gets all of the, we call them requirements from FBI. They say, we want this, that, and the other thing. So they handle, um, getting all that into a pretty package and handing it to me and our leasing specialists. And we basically tailor a lease to it and go out and find the space that fits that lease. You know, we, you know, that says we will, we can provide FBI with A, B, and C. And then we, uh, write up the lease and then we hand it over to what would be the people who are going to build out the space. So, you know, if they say we need, I don't know, 15 offices and the lease that they uh uh the space they entered the a lease with only has you know 10 offices, then construction has to happen in there. So that gets handled before they move in. So, but my portion is the lease portion. Lease it sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah. And it takes it's very complex and it takes a long time to learn like all of the ins and outs because there's so many laws and rules and executive orders and acts and bills, you know, that you have to be following at, at, at any one time. But once you kind of learn all of that, uh, you kind of get into a rhythm with all of
1: your leases. Okay. That still sounds like a <laughs> lot of stuff. What, lot. Yeah. what is your favorite part about what you do?
0: Um, I think it's really interesting. It is not, you know, fast paced, uh, but I don't think I would really thrive in a fast paced environment. You know, I wanted to be a college professor. They're not exactly, uh, you know, breakneck speeds that they're working at, you know. <laughs> um. So I think I always wanted something that wasn't that was slower paced. Um, But I just think it's so interesting getting to find out what this group of people needs in this city, you know, this random city in Kansas, you know, why they need this crazy equipment put into this space. Well, you get to talk to these people and find out the work they do every day. And it's interesting, you know, and then in that same day, you might be talking to another agency in a completely different, part of the region that needs something completely different and you get to find out about their needs and what they do day to day and just it's it's really interesting getting to kind of see you get like you glimpse into so many worlds every single day you know so i think that would probably be my favorite part
1: right okay we are going to take one more commercial break and when we come back we'll be discussing kelly's plans for the future mm.
0: face and posting on their feed. They're super
1: Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. If you are just tuning in, we are on the air with UCM alum and current lease contracting officer for the General Services Administration, Kelly Nolan. So... uh, Kelly, how have your career goals changed since making such a big shift in careers? Um. Well, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> I think I really like working at GSA. I don't really see myself leaving GSA. Um, so I feel like now my career path and my career goals are tailored specifically to, you know, that agency um, but also I didn't expect to really pick up like such a huge asset of a skill set in switching careers. I think sometimes when you think you switch careers you're just like okay well what am I bringing to it and how does what I did before kind of lend itself to this new career but and I definitely thought about that when I made the switch but also now I'm kind of like thinking, man like doing this job i know how to do something that so few people in, you know the country know how to do so now it's kind of like i'm holding this um little gift that like, right. you know so i i don't have to bargain uh with with you know convince people of of how valuable i can be when it's like well there's simply not a lot of people who know how to do this so
1: It's kind of nice. Right. So do you see yourself ever going back and getting a doctorate to teach in college? Or are you kind of like, I really like this. I I've done teaching. I'm good. I cannot imagine
0: being in class being a student again. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) It is like once (laughs) you get and and people do it all the time. People go back to school and they get their doctorate, you know, you know, and they're middle of their life and things like that. And I think that's amazing. I just, I don't, I cannot see myself being a student again. It just takes so much to like get in the student mindset and think in semesters and syllables and stuff like that. I don't know if I could switch or do it in
1: this at the same time of thinking about the other schedules you have to keep in your life. It would be really
0: hard. Yeah.
1: Right. And you mentioned you were married with children. So I'm sure that makes it 10 times more difficult to be a student. Yeah. But I know people
0: who have kids and they like go back to school while already having like a full-time job. It's incredible. I, I don't know. I never had an appreciation for people who could go back to school after being out of school for a long time, you know, until
1: being out of school for a long time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think I think also right now the burnout from COVID and trying to do like online classes, trying to social socially distance in classes, it's like Mm -hmm. burning people out at a much quicker rate and making Mm -hmm. people not want to continue their education because they're so tired of it.
0: Yeah. And that was another thing whenever uh, they were kind of saying that class availability, whenever I was teaching like class availability is low and it's probably going to get lower is because there were so many people switching to completely online um, type models. And I did not want to, you know, I didn't want to teach online. Like I liked lecturing and being in the classroom and uh, yeah, I think the switch is so much on online and I don't know if that's really better for, Uh, you know, like college courses. I'm not in college right now (laughs) in a virtual setting. So I can't, you know, I'm biased, but I don't think I would have done as well if I was in a completely virtual setting in a classroom, you know, so I I don't know how students do it today.
1: Yeah. As somebody who is going through it, it's not (laughs) ideal, but it is interesting to see because the, the online degree, the appeal of like, getting your degree completely online, I feel like was getting a lot of attention and then COVID happened. And Mm -hmm. all of these people were like, Oh my goodness, I need to be in person. I need to be in class. Like I can't learn online. And I was like, I thought we were like, I thought that was the switch. Like I thought that's what people wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And
0: especially at like the high school level, I feel like High schools all seem to be like excited to like, no, we'll just do zoom classes. And then it's like, after a year and a half of it,
1: they were like, please, God, let me go back to a classroom. Yeah. I have, I have two younger sisters. One just graduated last year from high school and the other ones a sophomore in high school this year. And they both were like, can we do some activities? Mm-hmm. Like, can we go back to class? Like they were very ready to get back in school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of COVID, how has that changed the work environment for you, if at all? So we shut down. Well, I say shut down.
0: We went fully virtual. Um, I can't even remember, you know, March, mid-March, uh, 2020, like the rest of the world. And we actually right now are still considered fully virtual. So we have not gone back to the office, um, we are allowed to go to back to the office for certain things for a long time. We could not, I mean, it was like, you could not step foot in the office. Um, And we've since been allowed back in there, but it's like for very specific things and you have to request access and um, kind of make it known on a bunch of different levels that you're going into the office. Uh, So it was like a full on lockdown response to COVID. And I, I, Know that not every federal agency was like that. I know some of them went back, you know, like depending on what kind of work they did. Um, but GSA has been locked down and we go back April 11th. And even when we do go back, they're only required, you know, we're, we're not required to be there every day. Uh, it's like a, they're calling it a hybrid. And so you kind of coordinate with each team and business line that you're on to what days you're going to be in, um, how many days you're required to be in, uh, all those kind of details. But yeah, so it was uh, a people.
1: Yeah. Do you enjoy working from home? Or is it kind of like the classroom? Like you'd rather be in a work environment? I there. I mean, I get I I get
0: the flexibility, especially having, like I like my son is out of daycare today. And like he's home with us. So it's like You know, you would never get that flexibility if you, you know, before COVID. So I understand kind of the need for it and how much everybody loves that. But I just like, I want to see people's faces or like, I don't know, the really simple stuff you realize in the middle of the pandemic, you're like, I haven't had like an inside joke with a coworker in (laughs) two years, or, you know what I mean? Like I haven't had, you know, really crappy office coffee in two years. And, you know, all those little things, eventually I'm like, I just want to get back and see people. Yeah, But even I think whenever we are allowed to go back, like, I don't know how many people are going to, you know, be really going back into the swing of things. So you, we probably won't see everybody that, you know, we, we used to.
1: That that's true. Cause a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. And I've seen that, I've seen that with enrollment and I've seen it with professors and everything and UCM actually just changed their mask requirement to masks recommended in class Mm -hmm. so um it's it's been interesting to see everyone's reactions to trying to go back to normal because I don't think I don't think a lot of people are fully comfortable with going back to normal and like no masks and no social distancing and being like super close to your classmates all the time yeah yeah
0: And just since I feel like everybody switched to, not everybody, but since so many things switched to being fully virtual and like still worked that Mm -hmm. way, you know, some people are like, well, what's the need? You know what I mean? Other than, other than wanting, you know, that, that connection, like there's no business need to go back. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of places are dealing with that too.
1: Right. So my last question for you, what advice would you give to students in undergrad? Mm -hmm.
0: That's so general. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, Kind of what we were talking about before, like just invest in yourself, like whatever you put into your college career, you know, your career path, your development as a student, as a person, like whatever you put into that, you're going to get out. So you need to put the work into, to invest in kind of your future um, because you're not, you know, that's the only way you're going to get a return is if you work on yourself and kind of make plans and do the work because you're going to need it. Sure. <laughs> <Right. the>
1: <laughs> no kidding. Okay. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode. Kelly, thank you again for joining me. If you are listening at home, don't forget to tune in next week at the same time and place. I'm Olivia Gibbs, and this has been Voices of UCM.